Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we are releasing a bonus episode. This is an interview that I gave on March 9th on the Carnivore Yogi podcast with Sarah Kleiner. I have to say, I am so super proud of this interview. It was such a high honor to be involved with her podcast, the Carnivore Yogi podcast. We have had the honor of hosting Sarah on our show back on episode 110 of Boundless Body Radio. We also have an episode coming out with her very soon at the time of this recording on episode 251, which will drop on March 23rd of 2022. This episode is called Heal Your Metabolism with the Carnivore Diet. We talk a little bit about my experience as a personal trainer for the last 15 years, <laughs> this month actually, I can't believe it's been that long, and my experience with using metabolic carts. The metabolic carts would measure people's metabolic rates and also show people how they were burning fat or carbohydrates as their fuel source. And measuring metabolism is what eventually led me to the low carbohydrate space, which evolved into keto and then evolved into carnivore. And so we talk about how we use that with our clients to help them lose weight and improve all kinds of different physical aspects of their body. We talk a little bit about the calories in, calories out theory of weight loss and how part of it can be true, but it's also very nuanced and there's many caveats. So be sure to subscribe to the Carnivore Yogi podcast and leave her a rating and review. And without further ado, here's my appearance on the Carnivore Yogi podcast. Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. Today's episode is with my friend Casey Ryan Ruff, who has been a personal trainer and a fitness expert for over 15 years, working one-on-one with clients to help them lose weight for good. And one of the cool things that we really talk about in this episode is the fact that for many years, he tried the old model of eat less, move more, high carbohydrate, low fat, and he just found that his clients were always hungry, they were always tired, and no one was actually able to lose weight and keep it off for any sustainable amount of time. But when Casey found a ketogenic diet, a high fat, low carbohydrate way of eating, he actually saw his first client success story. And we talk about that here in this episode. After that first client success story, he was really inspired to start doing this with all of his clients. He and his wife, they have their own business together and started to see hundreds and hundreds of people transforming their lives, losing thousands of pounds combined and reversing things like type 2 diabetes. It is a really, really cool conversation. And we dive deep into the metabolism, how you measure the metabolism, how he does this with his clients and how he sees people that are cutting out carbohydrates actually have faster metabolisms, which is a little bit contrary to what some of us are being told right now in the community. So I think this conversation has a whole bunch of value in it. I'm also going to encourage you to head on over to Casey's website, www.myboundlessbody.com, where you can also find his podcast, which I have been a guest on a couple of times now. And it is a podcast that is absolutely chock full of inspirational stories and episodes of people who are transforming their lives using a low carbohydrate way of eating. And just Casey's just a really cool guy. So I'm really excited for you guys to meet him for my audience to meet Casey and to hear his awesome story of how he's been able to help people. This is just another resource of how we can transform our lives and not use that conventional wisdom that we've all been told is absolutely vital. 
So please do enjoy this episode. I want to thank the two sponsors of today's episode. The first one is going to be Optimal Carnivore. You can use my code carnivore uppercase Y to save over on Amazon 10% on those supplements. I personally love their grass-fed organ complex. It has lung, spleen, heart, liver, pancreas, thymus, and more than I'm probably forgetting that we just don't typically eat. And those nutrients are extremely bioavailable. The body prefers to absorb those over nutrients that you would get from like a multivitamin. Our body just absorbs and uses those organ meat supplements way, way better than a synthetic vitamin. So again, use my code carnivore uppercase Y. And the second sponsor of today's episode is going to be upgraded formulas. You can use my code Yogi12 or Yogi if you've used Yogi12 before to save on the upgraded formulas website, anything on that site. I personally love their magnesium. It has a special type of technology called nanoparticle technology. So a lot of magnesiums, if you have any sort of a gut issue, you're not going to absorb it. It's not going to actually get in the cell. So the upgraded formulas supplements actually bypass the gut and those particles go directly into the cell so you get the most and highest absorption possible with the upgraded formulas supplements. They also have an awesome hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation so you can actually see if you need to be taking supplements or not. So I think this is a very, very helpful tool for anybody. Again, my code over there is either Yogi12 or Yogi if you use the Yogi12 before. And I just love their products. So make sure to check out Upgraded Formulas. And I really do hope that you guys enjoy this episode with my friend Casey. Again, please head on over to Apple. Leave me up to a five-star review. Take a screenshot. Share this out on social media. Let's keep spreading the word. All right, guys, enjoy. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited about today's guest. I've actually been a guest on his podcast, and I'm going to do it again in a few weeks. But I thought, hey, you know what? Let's get Casey on the podcast, talk about his story. He's got quite a lot of interesting things I think you guys are going to enjoy. So thank you, Casey, for being here today. It's such an honor, such an honor to talk with you today and appear on your show. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a podcast that's called Boundless Body Radio, right? Yes. Yeah. So we started, um, like everybody else, it seems like we started during the pandemic. Um, We started our own business. Um, I knew that podcasting was something I really wanted to do. Um, It's it's been such an interesting way to learn, you know, about things in particular with nutrition, low carbohydrate, carnivore diets, things like that. So um, it was always such a special medium to me and always a a way that I wanted to kind of give back and, and offer, you know, our audience listeners, you know, people like you, just super interesting people who are doing amazing work in all corners of the globe. And yeah, it's been a really fun journey. Really have enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. And you've got, you've got a ton of episodes out. I feel like you put out a couple episodes a week, like you're always working, huh? So we are doing, we're doing three episodes a week. So we release every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then sometimes we'll do a bonus episode over the weekend. If there's a show that I'm on, I will re-release that on our episode to just kind of increase exposure. Or if we do something a little bit different, a different format we'll release on the weekend. So yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot of work. And as you know, podcasting is, um, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of editing. You have to invite the guests. You've got to research your people and there's a lot of work that goes into it. But I, I just always wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it in a way that, you know, if, if I needed to work a little bit harder doing my personal training business to pay for what it takes to podcast, that would be totally worth it to put out content that can hopefully help people. So it's been great. Awesome. What was the biggest motivation for you in starting that podcast? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the biggest motivator for me for that podcast was I, I really just wanted to give back. And I, I just kind of decided it wasn't something I was ever going to really monetize. Like I said, it was something that I, I knew I would have to pay for to be able to do it. Um, but I decided early on that I wanted the motivator to be helping people. And regardless of whatever the downloads were or whatever, I would just kind of keep it going on my own. Um, I started a second podcast, which is kind of funny. It's called oh. the, the, it's called the, um, the how to make a podcast podcast. Okay. Um, where, where we talk about the process of podcasting. And one of the things we talk about a lot on, on that show is, you know, the same question you asked me, what's the motivation? What is the why? And the example we always give that I think is kind of funny is like, if you and Shauna like to get together every Tuesday afternoon and talk about like your crazy cats or something and drink rosé, like don't expect that that's going to be monetized anytime soon. You can totally do that show if you're motivated to do it and you have the right motivations. But, um, you know, it's funny in the podcasting world, a lot of people start and then quit really early because they realize like they weren't getting downloads and, you know, they're not Joe Rogan. So um, right. I think it's a really important question to ask. Yeah, definitely. And you have to be consistent. I mean, three times a week, that makes me be like, oh my gosh, that is so much work because one episode a week for me is just a ton of work, you know, with everything else that I do. So you have to really be just a consistent person and dedicated. So that definitely says a lot about you just as a person. Yeah, it's again, you're right. It, it is a lot of work. Um, I've been able to streamline a lot of things and there's other things that, um, you know, that I pay for as far as like editing and things like that. Um, just little tools. They're things that I do, but they're tools that make it a little bit easier. And so it does cost a little bit more, but it makes it easier. So it frees up some time to do as many episodes as we do. Nice. Well, I might have to talk to you about that <laughs> offline because <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing everything. I'm like just a one woman show over here. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's really rewarding and it's it's fun. I love to tell, you know, just expose my audience to different people, different viewpoints and continue to like you said help people and just empower them with tools because I think that there's so much confusing information out there in the health space and, you know, if you can get someone listens to a podcast episode that you did and it just changes the course of their life. I mean, that's what happened with me essentially was listening to podcasts and that's what helped me to change my life and my health. And so, yeah, giving back in that way is just, is a really cool thing to do. That is so well said on so many different levels. And it's one of the things that I really love about you and your podcast, you're doing the same, you're bringing out the light. And I think a lot of times people don't realize with fitness and health, it's a lot more simple then people make it out to be. It might not be easy for everybody, but it can be very simple. And you've always been able to make things really simple in the way you approach things with your guests, who I love. Like it's so it's so easy to get caught up in the sticks in the health and fitness world. And somebody's always selling, you know, all kinds of crap that are, is not really, you know, necessary for people to be able to get really good results. And so showing people that you can find a really simple way to achieve the results you want. Um, again, maybe it's not easy for a lot of people, but you can take simple steps and it might not take as much time or cost as much as what other people would make it out to be. Agreed. Well, let's talk about your journey just a little bit. I would love to hear about what got you so interested in carnivore, keto, low carb, and the evolution to, to where you are right now. Yeah, sure. So I kind of grew up a bit of a ch uh, chubby kid. I always loved sports, but I was never that great at them. Um, until my teenage years, I kind of fell in love with weightlifting and got in better shape and started playing sports a little bit better. Um, 
when, let's see, when I was about 14 or 15, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So this is like late nineties. And so as a family, we changed our diets and we did everything that we were supposed to do. So goodbye, 2% milk. We're now drinking skim milk. Mm-hmm. You can have red, red vines because they don't have any fat in them. We switched from butter to, I can't believe it's not butter. Um, I was fueled through high school by peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and skim milk. I can't believe I made it <laughs> survive. Lucky charms and skim milk because it's fat uh, free. Exactly. Just cereal and milk. Like we, <laughs> I graduated in '97. I don't know if you you sound like you graduated around the time I did. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. 2002. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. the lucky one if you got Lucky Charms. I think we had the Malto meal, like bagged, cheap version of that. I marshmallow mateys or something. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> we had all the different cereals, and like we were allowed to eat cereals if we like mixed the healthy ones together. So you could, as long as you mixed Special K in with the Lucky Charms that weren't as bad for you. <laughs> Good idea. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I just the went 90s. straight to the table, the table sugar. I would just add scoops and scoops of table sugar to things like Special K or cornflakes or the knockoff generic brands back because it's fat free right so that's the that was the problem (laughs) that we thought back in the 90s was it's fat free so yeah totally healthy yeah it's it's really crazy everything that we were told and looking back my mom's cancer just would never really truly go away I mean Mm. it would it would you know subside for a little while with a bunch of treatments that would almost kill her just doing the treatments were so bad and then the cancer would come back would come back to her bones and then it would go away again and you know at one point um I was out of the country for a few years in Brazil and she was given three months to live um because it had spread so far like in her brain and everything else she ended up making it another few years but again looking back at what we were doing was just terrible for you know what she was diagnosed with I would completely do things differently obviously if I had that knowledge back then but anyway um you know, I was interested in architecture growing up and um, thought that was going to be my career path. And that's what I studied in college until I joined a local gym, big corporate gym. And I started watching the personal trainers and they were training at the time using heart rate monitors. And I had always used heart rate monitors. I was the dork who was given a TV VCR combo <laughs> to take down to college. And I returned it so that I could get a Polar 210 a heart rate monitor. I still remember it to this day. Um, and I know how to use them. And so I didn't know much about personal training besides the weightlifting that I'd done, but I knew a lot about heart rate and heart rate training and already knew, you know, way more than any of the trainers knew about polar heart rate monitors at the time. So I marched into the personal trainer manager office and asked what I had to do to get a job there. And a few months later, I had my certification and started training and that was in 2007. And I've been in health and fitness ever since. Um, and again, my, my passion was more in the heart rate training kind of area. And so as part of that, one of the things my gym offered was this really cool kind of service that you could sign up for called uh, metabolic testing. And what we would do is we would hook people up to a mask that was then connected to an umbilical. So this mask is like collecting their respirations and we would hook the umbilical into a machine that was connected to a computer. And so what we were doing was measuring the total volume of breath that people were breathing. And you know, if you, you do something really intense, if you sprint down the street, you're going to be breathing really hard. That's a direct correlation with how many calories you are burning. Um, and so if you're breathing more, you're burning more calories. But these machines would go one step further, and they would also measure the difference between the oxygen and the carbon dioxide that was exchanged inside the body. And that would tell you how much fat somebody was burning or how much carbohydrate somebody was burning. And so those two things are a very different way to burn calories. And way back then, back in 2007, it was really like we were using the information to tell people like, okay, your resting metabolic rate is 1500 calories 
you know, with your daily activity, you're burning 500 calories, which means your daily burn is about 2000 calories. So if we can get you to, you know, exercise 250 calories a day and then maybe eat 250 calories less in a day, well, that's a difference of 500 calories. You multiply that by seven days a week and that's 3,500 calories, which is one pound. And so all you had to do is very simple math and tell people work out more and eat less and you'll lose a pound of weight and just do that for as many weeks as you have pounds to lose and you'll be in perfect shape. And even just saying that now, like, it's so ridiculous. Like everybody knows that doesn't really work yeah. yet. That's kind of the advice that we were giving to people. And I don't know, just over the years, like I just grew really frustrated with the advice that we were giving people eat lots of vegetables, eat lots of whole grains. You need to eat, you know, three meals and three snacks a day. You're going to crash your metabolism. You're going to have to eat in this really tight window of calories that you're then going to need to track. It just, maybe it's good advice, but it never worked. It didn't matter whether it was the best advice ever. If nobody could do it, like not even the trainers could pull that off. Like I was throwing away so much food at the end of the week and all this meal prepping and, oh my goodness, like you're, you're, you're constantly thinking about food. You're constantly hungry. You're eating, you know, Greek yogurt and lots of berries and nuts and seeds and your gut would be just blown up. And so I it yeah. just got to be really frustrating that the advice wasn't really working for people. Yeah. Wow. So you were just working with a lot of people. You weren't seeing results. What was it that made you interested in low carb keto and carnivore? Hey, what put you down that route? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I remember there was a pair of trainers that moved to Utah from another club and they started like spreading the message of like, fat is okay. Fat is your friend. Um, eat fat, be fit kind of concept. And it was the first time even like considering I, what are you, what are you talking about? That's not good for you. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, it started back in 2013, 2014. Um, I started adding avocado and olive oil to different things and it was like quite tasty and actually didn't make me fat. And I became a little bit less hungry and kind of latching onto that concept, um, was really interesting. And then I was introduced to the work of Nina Teichel's, um, mm -hmm. who is the author of big fat surprise. She, she gave a radio interview on, um, uh, I can't remember the radio station, but anyway, somebody sent it to me and I ended up listening to it well before I read her book. And that was just mind blowing. The things that she was discovering and finding and all the studies and everything that was, you know, buried about fat in the diet. It was completely contrary to anything that we had ever been taught, um, in the personal training and nutrition world. Yet it all just made perfect sense when you looked at the science. And so it's just eventually just one thing led to another and led to another, at our, at our gym, we uh, would do these three-month kind of weight loss challenges that we called them the 90-day challenge. And people would sign up. We, you know, as trainers, we were 100% commissioned. And so you're forced to like sell packages and products to people and all kinds of crap. And this program, this three-month program, like people would start, they'd be super excited. We would give them 100 pages worth of recipes and shopping lists. <laughs> I had a client call me um, just as a mess and say she, she was in the grocery store looking for arrowroot powder, whatever the hell that is. And she couldn't find it. And she was so frustrated. She was like bawling over the phone. Oh no. <laughs> arrowroot powder. Like that's not necessarily <laughs> on the, 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 you know, main shelf at the grocery store. Right. And it was so frustrating because as, as trainers, we were forced to sell this package and we could only do it once. We would only get people to do it one time because they would, they would start and be really motivated, but nobody was finishing. Hardly anybody could make it through the 90 days without, you know, having quit or regained all the weight and then some. 
And so, you know, the company, when they did those challenges, they would make a lot of money. So rather than doing a 90 day challenge, you know, twice a year, they would do a 60 day challenge and do that four times a year. So they would obviously, you know, make more money. And it came to be that, um, we had, we had a client, um, this was 2017, 2018. We had a client who was, you know, he was an employee. He was kind of forced to do this contest. And at the beginning we would do a consultation and he was describing his diet. And I just said, look, dude, like you're just not eating any fat. Like, let's get some fat in the diet. Let's make you more full. That would be a really good thing. You're eating most carbohydrates. And he texts me a few days later and says, yo, I've lost like a pound and a half in two days. What, what is all this keto thing? And that's when I first started jumping into learning a lot more about ketogenic diets and how they work and things like that. And, you know, my wife also worked for the same company. We just got so frustrated with this program that wasn't working for people yet. We had this one guy doing keto and he crushed it. He won the contest and we got a lot of attention for it. And so the next contest was coming around again. We were super frustrated. I remember the conversation we had, like, why aren't we recommending this to everybody? We can just fly under the radar. Nobody knows what we're telling our people. Let's just find a way to promote this way of eating. Let's just see what happens. We had the advantage of um, using a scale that would measure people's weight and also people's body fat. And so we could really validate, like, are you just, you know, depleting your calories and losing a bunch of weight or are you really truly losing a lot of fat? Because people like would lose weight, but look totally different. They were less puffy and you could see it in the sides and the sides of their faces. And so, so we decided to make it like as scientific as we could. We had, we tracked it every contest we did since then. And we would measure people's weight as they weighed in. We'd measure their body fat. We would tell them how many pounds of fat they had when they started and how much when they finished. The compliance was super high. We tracked over 800 people in all the contests that we did. And we have the numbers that showed that every time that we did that, the 98% of like 800 pounds that people would lose would come 98% from fat. And all we were doing was giving people low carbohydrate, high fat, high protein meal plans that were really easy to execute and people would try them and they would just lose a bunch of fat. It was really easy. So that made our jobs just so much more enriching and satisfying that we were actually truly helping people and people would re-sign up with us. We kind of created this little cult of, you know, keto and low carb meal plans that people were super excited about. People started calling me Keto Casey and that's kind of what led to, you know, finding carnivore. Wow. That's awesome. And you, were you doing these things yourself or was it just with clients? We were doing them ourselves and noticing the benefit. And then we were sharing all of this stuff with our clients, anybody who would sign up with us, anybody who, you know, was really sick of hearing the traditional paradigm. If you need to eat more and move less, you know, we were telling people, find the recipes you like, eat them until you're totally satiated. Don't portion control, don't calorie count anything. Just have a lot of these and really trust the process. And it just really works for people. It's great. Nice. And what led you eventually to carnivore? Was it just like kind of the next natural evolution of things? Yeah, sure. So it was it was really the first time um, that I'd ever heard of it was Joe Rogan and it was Sean mm-hmm. Baker. And on the episode I did with you, I told you, um, I did, like to this day, I still haven't um, finished that episode because mm-hmm. I turned it off halfway through. I was like, this guy is a total clown. Like, what are you talking about? You can't deadlift 5,000 pounds and be super fit and like just eat meat and not check your blood work. You're, you're a doctor. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. So that was the first time I had heard of it. 
But over time, you know, you start to hear about Paul Saladino and some of these guys that, you know, appeared on like the Food Lies or no, it's what is it's not Food Lies. Is it Food Lies, the podcast? So. Yeah, Brian's oh, Brian podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one that I, I really connected with early on. Jason Fung had a lot of really good podcasts that I connected with early on. And you started to hear about, you know, some of these people that were only eating meat and they were like feeling amazing. Um, and I certainly have never shied away from meat in my life, but it was something I wanted to try. And it was April of 2019 that I decided like, this is the month I want to try to go carnivore. And I just kind of have forgotten <laughs> to, to get off of it. It just has felt so good ever since day 31 was no different for me. I just continued doing it. And it was really interesting. Like I would say, you know, physically, I, I definitely felt better less bloating for sure. All the things that people talk about, I never had any you know, diagnosed condition or like a, a medical reason to try carnivore. I never had gut issues besides just, you know, bloating and not feeling that great. But I have to say, um, the, the things that really surprised me were feeling like feeling like up leveled as, as far as like your mental clarity and your spirituality and gratitude. I I've always considered myself like a really positive and, you know, a fairly grateful person, but those, those things just went off the charts for me. I was really surprised by that. And I remember a situation where somebody had signed up for a bunch of packages, um, a personal training, which means I made a lot of money on that transaction and they wanted a refund like right after because of personal reasons. And I, I remember in the past, I would like really have a, a big reaction to that. And I just remember feeling so calm and just like, yeah, no, that's totally great. We're always here. If you need you, you need us. And I just remember feeling like I could react to stress so much differently. And I was so much more grateful for all the things around me. And, and again, like the level of spirituality I felt, it, it was just totally different. It was really unexpected to notice that I would say. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, I have so many people tell that story of like, I was just going to do 30 days and then I woke up and it was a year later. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. That's... I mean, I, I just decided to reread um, Gary Tobbs, a case for keto. Mm -hmm. And he kind of says the same thing. Like we, we, we don't have the exact science. We don't have the clinical trials to show that you can do this for your entire life and that's going to be okay. Nothing says you can't do it, but you, we just don't have that at this point. That would take you know decades to show. However, what is worth not feeling really good today? That was always the question for me is if I feel amazing today, won't that set me up for better health tomorrow? And I'm, I'm just, I'm not willing to feel like crap and give that up today. I mean, we took a trip to Mexico, um, last May after the pandemic, it kind of mellowed out a little bit and we were able to travel again and we went to an all-inclusive and we were talking on the plane, like, this is going to be great. Like it's all-inclusive. We're on vacation. It's 10 days. Like we can eat whatever, like we know they have, you know, cakes and cookies and all kinds of, you know, really good stuff. And there was not one single meal that we were willing to eat that stuff because we knew that like, why would I give up? feeling amazing for yeah. something that might taste okay for 30 seconds. And then I'm going to feel like shit for the rest yeah. of the day. I'm going to sleep poorly. I might miss my walk in the morning. I might miss the sunrise. There's just no, it just wasn't ever worth not feeling good. I just, it, it feels so good to eat in this way that I, it's just not worth giving up in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It's just getting people to that place and you work with a lot of people, a lot of clients how do you get them to that place? Because that's the thing I find as a nutrition coach and quantum health coach is like getting people to actually start doing these things can be the biggest 
problem. And once they start doing them, they become addicted to them. But yeah. what, how do you overcome that with people? That's, that's a really great question. I would say that everybody is a little bit different, obviously, but I think, I think the biggest thing that's been most impactful that opens people's eyes is to really identify times in their life where they have tried the conventional wisdom. When was a time that you decided that you were going to get healthy, you were going to join a gym, you were going to work out more and you were going to eat less? Well, um, probably January. You probably have done that for several Januaries. Okay. What was that like? Well, I joined the gym and I was super motivated. Monday, 5.30 in the morning, January 2nd, I was in the gym. I, you know, I was running. I jumped on the treadmill and it said I burned 500 calories. I, I made a big puddle and I left a big sweaty mess and I was really tired, but I was able to do it. Okay, great. What happens Thursday or Friday? Well, you know, as the week goes, I start to get more and more tired. And I wasn't able to really stick with it. Like, you know, Wednesday, I maybe slept in a little bit. Thursday, I definitely slept in. Somebody brought a donut to the office. I decided to have one, which means I had eight. And then my diet was gone. And then diet starts again on Monday. Okay. How long did that pattern continue? Well, it was about mid-February when I absolutely like stopped going. Okay. What happened to your weight? Well, I ended up gaining weight, but I ended up gaining more weight than when I even started. And I felt miserable. And so I just waited until next January rolled around, spent a bunch more money, joined another gym. And it, I guess all that to say, like, when you start pointing out to people that the conventional wisdom didn't work with them, and then connecting the dots to say that you are not unique, like, this doesn't work for anybody. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you the way you might think if your body is not cooperating when you're, you know, following this advice. This advice makes people in the health and fitness world a lot of money. I could definitely get somebody to sign up with me every January. If you felt like you were getting good results for a few weeks and you just didn't have the willpower to continue, we'll just hang out and wait until your motivation comes back so we can sell you another package of crap that's not going to work again. And it, it's really, it really sucks. But if you can point that out to people, I think it's helpful for them to see like, oh, okay, well, following the conventional advice didn't really work for me. What else is there? Maybe I need to try something more unconventional and, and, you're right. It is hard to get somebody to start, but once they start, if they can start to see results and they know how to measure those results in a way that they, they are bought into and they can see, I think it becomes at least a little bit easier to get people to buy into it. Definitely. And what are some of the ways that you have people kind of, you know, maybe the scale doesn't move right away, but do you have them do like any kind of blood sugar monitoring or anything like that? So they can see, all right, I'm moving in the right direction, even though the scale may be not moving yet. Do you do that type of thing with your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. I will typically um, start out with offering like the poor man way of doing things. And so I think a really good way would be taking a before and after picture. So as uncomfortable as that makes people take a before picture, like as you're starting something like this, shoot a photo, don't share it with anybody, try it from a few different angles and just kind of see you know, how you look and see how your body is changing over time. I mean, you're such a great example of that. And you, you share these all the time of like, yeah. it's not just a weight thing. It's not just a scale thing. Your body shape is really changing quite a bit yeah. and you can really see it visually if you have a good comparison. Um, besides that, I like to look at, you know, waist circumference, I think is a good measurement for people. Um, you can do this just by noticing how your clothes are fitting. Um, I am definitely not opposed to using other things. I think blood glucose measuring would be awesome. I think, um, a continuous, uh, glucose monitor is really, really helpful. I noticed that people, they just automatically kind of self-regulate when they're using a CGM This measuring, you know, the blood sugar is changing, you know, basically minute by minute and, and 
you know, you start to notice like, wow, I can have an apple and I'm just fine. But if I have watermelon, it makes my, you know, blood sugar really skyrocket. People just kind of change their behaviors on their own. They, they don't really need a lot of coaching because they're seeing those results real time. I think that can be really helpful. Um, I don't know if gyms have gone back to doing metabolic measurements. Um, I, I honestly don't. It's not something we use anymore because we don't have access to it. We don't work at the same gym. We ended up starting our own business. But that was always a really interesting way to validate things and was really interesting in my career that really turned me away from, from following the standard advice because we would literally see people's metabolism completely shift. People that were doing fasting, like had metabolic rates at their rest that were like hundreds of calories higher than what they should have been for their age, height, weight, and gender. Oh yeah. It was really shocking. And I would, you know, I would notice this and see if this person, you know, maybe was skipping breakfast a few times a week, they had these really high metabolisms. I would say like, wow, this is really nice. Your body is burning a lot of calories. You're burning a very high percentage of those calories from fat. So to not get your metabolism to tank, I need you to eat at least this many calories a day. I remember one conversation in particular, I told this dude that he needed to eat like 2,600 calories minimum just to maintain that metabolism. And he was like, the hell are you talking about? Like, I can't eat that many calories. Do you want me to drink Coke and eat, you know, <laughs> Twinkies all day. Like there's no way I can eat that many calories. And so that's what kind of turned me on to the work of Jason Fung and understanding that when the body is in a more fasted state, it can use the fuel that's already present, all, all the fat that's, you know, been locked away for years and years. Once you can follow any type of strategy to get that insulin to finally lower for a better part of the day, the body just accesses and burns fat and it finds all that fuel and is like, well, great. We didn't know all this fuel was here. Let's just use it, burn it up. And so that was a really interesting way to validate things when people were having metabolic rates that were really high and were leaning much more towards burning fat. That's hard to ignore. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I'm sure for people like it was exciting too to get to see those types of things from their work, because I don't know if you ever saw that sort of thing. If someone was following more of like a standard high carb diet with metabolisms going up, did you or totally, totally. Oh yeah. It was it was just so standard back in the day because that's what we were telling people. And so it was normal for somebody to come in and be sitting down and, you know, you're not doing anything. You're not using a ton of calories. You're just resting, but the metabolism would be 60%, 80% carbohydrate based. And those people would be really hungry. They would tend to do diets. They would tend to do a lot of cardio. The cardio that we would measure when people would do that was also shifted towards carbohydrate burn. And so these were people that were maybe training for 50 mile bike rides or half marathons, and they were bonking all the time. They were running out of energy. And so we would be calculating like, okay, you know, you burn 1200 calories an hour a thousand of those are coming from carbohydrates. You can only digest, you know, three or 400, you know, calories of carbohydrates in an hour. So let's calculate exactly how many gels and goos you need. Um, oh my God, bike rides used to be the worst for me when I was training and, and racing road bikes on our three hour training rides on the weekend with my team, we would always stop at a gas station. And I remember just having to smash Gatorade and re remember that the, the the grandma's double chocolate cookies that would come in a two pack. Yeah. <laughs> I would always buy like two or three of those, shove a few in my Jersey pocket, shove a few of those down the hatch and never could figure out why my energy was always tanking and why, um, you know, my stomach would always hurt when I was, when I was writing. And, and again, it, we were seeing it validated scientifically that people started eating less carbohydrates and more fat and their fat burn percentages would go far higher and they wouldn't bonk. Like they don't, 
run out of energy because they're burning their own fuel. I remember a triathlon coach was saying he was training world-class athletes um, in, in, in Ironman. So this is like an eight to 10 hour event if you're a pro. And he was coaching these pros to take on like 60 calories an hour. And their normal diet included like cream and butter and bacon. I was like, what? the hell is this guy talking about? That's insane. You should be eating bananas and oatmeal and goo. Like, and so, yeah, yeah it, that was, that was really interesting to, to really see that firsthand to see that, yeah, we could shift somebody's metabolism pretty easily from carbohydrate to fat. And once we did their results would just go through the roof, regardless of what they were training for. That's awesome. Because I feel like there's so many people out there that just kind of talk about this bro science where it's just calories in calories out. It doesn't matter if it fits your macros, that's all that matters. And they don't really account for the hormonal effect of food. And that's one thing I've been talking about a lot lately with my audience is like, there's, there's a hormonal implication from what you're eating and how you're fueling yourself. Right. Yeah, totally. I love that message. If, if it were the, the math equation that we talked about before for weight maintenance or weight loss or whatever, the, the, the machine, the system would have to be fixed. You would always have to have the same metabolic rate and the same burning rate of calories to be able to make that math equation work. And the math like makes sense logically, but again, it just would never work for somebody. And that system reacts to what we do. So if you go on a diet, if you restrict your calories, you're going to crash your metabolic rate. There was that study they did a few years ago with all the biggest loser contestants. You know, what do we know about people who did the biggest loser? Well, they lost a tremendous amount of weight. They exercised, you know, five, six hours a day and ate 1200 calorie diet, 1200 calorie a day diets. And yeah, you're going to lose weight if you do that, but they all regained their weight. And the study showed when they measured what we're talking about, this resting metabolic rate or how many calories you burn, like years after doing the contest, I believe it was six years, their weight had regained at least 60, 70% of what they originally lost. And their, their metabolic rates were still hundreds of calories lower than when they started the contest. And again, that's what happens with those hormonal signals that you mentioned. If you calorie restrict and you eat the wrong things, your body is going to respond and you are going to crash your metabolic rate and it's not going to recover that easily. And it's going to be very frustrating because you, you are creating the body and the system perfectly designed to regain weight. That's what you're making when you're yeah. following that standard advice, you're setting yourself up for that. And so uh, I think that's exactly the right message to tell people like you're doing is you really need to watch out for the hormones and, and pay attention to the signals that you're sending your body because they can be way more powerful. Yeah, definitely. And do you get a lot of clients that have kind of done that sort of thing where they've really tanked their metabolism out or is it mostly people that just have <laughs> gone on the other side? Most, most people that we work with, yes, have had the experience of tanking their metabolism. It's something that we can see in a person, you know, a hundred feet away. Like you can tell when somebody has done that, you're, you're going to feel cold, especially in your extremities. So think about, you know, the, the, the female in particular, that's like wearing a jacket in the middle of July, you know, they can yep. be premenopausal too early. Um, their energy just really sucks. They need to take naps. They need to eat all the time. I notice when people look kind of lean in the arms and legs, but carry a little bit too much weight in the midsection that can definitely happen. And yeah, it's most people, unfortunately, that have gone through that. And we need to go through a kind of process to reboot or reset the metabolism, make it go up uh, so the body can burn off the calories 
you know, the excessive calories that it's stored. It's all, you know, in the form of fat, which is free energy for the body to burn. And so, yeah, it sometimes takes time to recover that, but most people can, and they can lose weight in a way that's really effortless in a way that they don't really feel hungry. It's really amazing. Awesome. And what kind of process do you go through with those people that are in that situation? That's a really great question. Initially, initially my main goal with people is to get them out of the hunger cycle. Mm. I don't think unless you've done, you know, keto carnivore before, I don't think you really truly understand what it feels like to be fully satiated. And, and I, I just, I don't think people appreciate that. I think it's such a wonderful, wonderful benefit of, of this way of life and this way of eating. And I just don't think many people know what that's like. They might think they do like, like I'll do the thought experiment with them. Like, let's go eat a healthy meal. So let's go, you know, to a restaurant, let's get a salad, let's get some chicken breast. Let's put a little bit of salad dressing on that. And we can eat that, that salad and we'll feel, you know, full. We can leave the restaurant and say like, okay, I, I ate enough. I feel full. I feel good. How do you feel three hours later? Most people are starving, starving after eating that meal. And they don't understand why their head is on the desk or why the break room is sounding really good. And we need coffee and, you know, the candy bar that every office building offers nowadays, the soda store down, down the street from me. I've I've seen this on Google. If you look it up on Google, it shows the hours that those places are most busy. The soda store down the street is most busy at 3 PM. Like Mm. logically you would think like most people probably ate two or three hours ago. Why is everybody needing sugar and soda at 3 PM in the afternoon? And I just think, we do such a disservice when we tell people, you know, to eat quote unquote healthy and they're eating lots of vegetables and lots of whole grains and, and they're just, they're just really, truly very hungry. So I really want people to experience what, what being full is and what being satiated is. And I just start with telling people, don't worry about what you can't eat on a diet. Start with what you can start with really fatty, salty meat, preferably beef. And I don't care what kind it is, but if it's a chuck roast, if it's ground beef, find the fattiest you can. I'll I'll let people do, you know, full fat dairy when they're first getting started, do as much butter as you like as you're first getting started and just see, see how you feel. Don't count anything. Don't measure anything. Don't portion control anything. Just start to add more fats and proteins and see how you feel. And then down the road, once you get fully satiated, you're just not that hungry anymore. Now we can start to attack certain things. We can figure out if people are eating too many carbohydrates, if nuts and seeds are an issue, we can start to get vegetables down, especially if people don't like them. Most people just don't even like them and they can't imagine a world where you don't necessarily have to eat vegetables if you don't like them. Um, (laughs) And we can dial in from there. But yeah, I do think the first step is getting people to really experience what it feels like to not be be really hungry all the time. I agree. Cause it's such a shift. Once you go from that place where you're burning sugar, you know, where you do have to eat every few hours and you get, Hey, I know you had Dr. Kate Shanahan on your show. I had her as well. And we were talking about that, you know, people almost can't help it. You know, they just get hangry. They got a snack all the time. They don't have consistent energy. And once you switch over to being a fat burner, it's like, your body actually runs the way it's supposed to. It's literally yeah. like night and day. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. An example I'll also tell people when they're when they're going is why don't we take a trip to Bali? Let's let's go to Bali. Okay. What does going to Bali entail? It entails probably three, maybe four flights. It includes layovers. 
It includes crowds and security lines and a bunch of smelly people all over the place. And, it, you know, maybe a, a three hour bus ride. It really yeah. like kind of that blows. trip kicked my ass. <laughs> I fasted the whole way there, though. That's good. All the, yeah. All the way to the resort. But yeah, it's like 24 hours of flying three hours in a van once you get there and you're going to throw up half the time because it's <laughs> you're going, you know, yeah. <laughs> totally. Once you got to Bali, how was it? Um, I got in, I jumped into the water as soon as I got there and then I ate something that night. Um, and I actually adjusted to the time change way better. I was up at sunrise the next morning, ate breakfast, you know, I, I was able to stay carnivore the whole time I was there as well, which was awesome. That's but amazing. If I hadn't fasted all the way there, I think, and then I fasted all the way home, I think I would have had just a really horrible time with that 12 hour. It's from Atlanta. It's a 12 hour time difference, you know, wow. and then all the traveling is very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. And yeah. anecdotally, I could say a lot of people that do a lot of air travel um, have said the same thing, like fasting oh just really improves, you know, jet lag. But again, like once you're in Bali, like you are in Bali, like I've never right. been to Bali, but you have seen the picture. I mean, you've been there. Beautiful, I've seen the pictures. Yeah. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And I just tell people like, okay, what you're going to go through as you transition is the travel that it takes to get to Bali. But once you're in Bali, mm. you can stay there as long as you like, and it's beautiful and amazing. And if you can put up with this, you know, all this travel and all this crappy you know, part, part of things, you're going to really enjoy it once you get there. And it is truly worth it. And so, yeah, when people are shifting, you're literally teaching your body to stop running on carbohydrates and to start running on fat. And that that's a difficult thing to do. And it's going to kind of suck for a little while, yeah. but if you put up with it, trust me, it's going to be worth it. I agree. And, you know, it's so funny, all the, there's kind of this pro metabolic movement. I'm sure you've heard about that a bit. And they all talk about how stressful carnivore is and how stressful ketogenic diet is. And I'm like, it's only stressful when you're adapting over, like my body is so adapted to not having carbohydrates now. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I don't have high cortisol. I don't have issues like that at all. My cortisol is actually a lot better than it was when I was a sugar burner and I had unstable glucose, you know, my blood sugar would skyrocket and then it would shoot way down. Talk about stress and cortisol like that. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just tell you how stressful it is to go to the store once or twice a week. I'm going to eat once or twice a day, I spent a few bucks on food every single day, eggs, and then ground beef and, and, you know, meat that's really tasty and enjoyable. And I don't throw any of it away. I don't spend a lot of time cooking. Like, yeah, I'm, it's very, really stressful to do this. <laughs> yeah, you're not so throwing away produce at the end of the week, oh like so much rotten produce all the time. <laughs> totally. All the time. All the time. We yep. used to throw away so much food and same with our clients. Like this is by far the least stressful thing I have ever done with my nutrition. And most of my clients who do it absolutely agree. It's, it's so low stress. It's ridiculous. I love it. And, you know, since you are a personal trainer, there's so much talk about, you know, needing carbohydrates in order to build muscle. I've talked with Robert Sykes. I know you have too. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you have clients where you're like, you can do some carb loading or add some carbohydrates in? do you ever do that? Or do you try to keep people more keto? Great 
question. Um, need carbohydrates to add muscle? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And again, when we had that scale that was measuring not only weight and body fat percentage, but also muscle mass, we could actually truly measure how many pounds of muscle somebody had. Absolutely not. You do not need carbohydrates. I've seen it way too many times. The personal training book behind me says that that is not possible. And it, it, that, that's dead wrong. I can say that with assurance. You don't need carbohydrates in certain situations. If you are trying to add a lot of muscle, you might need some targeted carbohydrates. I think it can certainly be a tool that helps, although I don't think you need a lot of them. Um, maybe some fruit or maybe some white rice or something really benign can be helpful for people. Um, building, building a lot of muscle is not something the body naturally likes to do. Um, I do think building muscle is really important. Um, and I look at somebody like Robert, like, Talk about yeah. savage. That guy is totally right. savage. I love it. He is. But, but he's gaining muscle for a specific reason. Yeah. Um, and he's doing bodybuilding shows. And, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I do think evolutionarily speaking, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't behoove us to have too much muscle for what we absolutely needed because we lived in a, in a world of scarcity. And now we live in this world of like, we have way too much food and we can eat all day, every day, just by pushing an app on our phone and they'll basically deliver it us and deliver it to us and probably spoon feed us if we paid them enough. Um, and so that just changes the equation a little bit. I, I think that when we got carbohydrates as we evolved, it was probably not very frequent. It was probably seasonal, um, you know, whatever we could ferment also and store if we had the ability to do so would be fine. Um, so I do think there's a place for doing some carb loading. I still have not decided whether women should be carb loading in their cycle. I think for some people it works really well. And for other people, they can just eat more fat depending where they are on their cycle and be totally fine. Um, so I think that's a little bit situational. So to answer the question, I think people need to try it out and see how they feel. If they feel better doing it, then great. Um, but they need to be pretty honest about it and, and, you know, notice truly how they're feeling. Um, for me, like this summer, around my neighborhood, there were a few uh, fruit trees that were growing. And like, if a plum fell down, I would just pick it up and eat it. And oh my goodness, the, the fruit was so tasty and so much different than the crap they have at the grocery store. Yeah, It was just so good. And I would, I would absolutely love eating the fruit and it was really sweet and tasted really good. But the problem was it just started the hunger cycle for me. It just, it made me very hungry within like 30 minutes. And I, I didn't love the feeling of walking around being hungry all the time. And so for me, doing carbohydrates, it's easier for me to just do zero carb. I just, I feel better. Some people are not like that and they need to have some and that's totally fine. Um, but again, I think people need to be really honest about how they're feeling. And if it's making them hungry for other things later on might not be the best thing for them. Yeah, I agree. And I think just not being dogmatic and being able to individualize is, is really important as a coach. So it doesn't seem like you have that, like you have to do no carbs. Like it sounds like you are able to individualize things for clients, correct? We try, we try as much as possible. Um, I told you when we had our episode with you, like I'm, I'm always frustrated by your answer and everybody else's answer. When I just tell me what to eat, just, right. just lay it out, tell everybody what they can eat. And I do get a little bit myopic in telling people like, look, if you just eat steak and eggs, you're going to be just fine for the rest of your life. And, you know, I, I do think that pretty much everybody can benefit from eating less carbohydrates than they do. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's times and places where people can have them in and have them be benign. I don't even, I don't even think doing, you know, carnivore for a short period of time and then being, you know, more carnivore ish is a, a really bad thing for a lot of people. I think it, it's just a question of, you know, how have you eaten over the course of your entire life? And if that's yeah. been 
primarily carbohydrates and processed crap, you're going to need a reset period. And carnivore is the best way I've ever found to be able to do that. I don't get paid if people do it. I don't, you know, make right. commission if somebody eats a steak versus eats a salad. I don't care. I'm just, I'm telling you what I found and what I found with my clients. And it just seems to really work for most people to eat mostly animal based. I think you're going to feel better. I think you're going to be able to, you know, have good health and get rid of chronic conditions that you've maybe been suffering with for, for a long time. Yeah. And that's what it's all about of like, how can we find a way of eating and find a lifestyle so that we don't suffer with chronic conditions. And that's the biggest thing I found about kind of a low carb lifestyle. And then also, you know, I do a lot of the circadian lifestyle as well. Those things seem to move the needle a lot quicker than a lot of other things that I've ever seen. And people get off medications, sleep better and feel better. And that's what it's about. It's not about adhering to a specific diet label, you know, it's, it's your health. It doesn't matter what diet club you belong to, but that's, yep. yeah, I've seen that as well. It's just like, it, it moves the needle more for people. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's so sad when you look around and realize that everybody is confusing average for normal. Yes. And, and now everything is average. It's average to be overweight. It's average to have high blood pressure. It's average to take several medications. And once you start, you never stop. You have to be on this for the rest of your life. And it's just helping people understand that it's, it, again, you're not broken. It's not your fault. It's the system. And if you just look at it, like the business that it is, like if I wanted to have somebody, you know, buy my product, and make a lot of money for myself, I would want them to be consistent buying my product for as many years as possible. And we've just gotten really good with, you know, the medical system and the, and the food system of learning how to keep people alive for a really long time in a state where they're very, very sick. And it yeah. sucks. It's such a bummer. Yeah. And people just think like, oh yeah, dad bod is normal. Um, you know, my, my joints are creaky and I'm 30. This is what happens when you age. It's like, right. no, you should be thriving and kicking ass. Yeah. Brad Kearns and, you know, all these guys that are, you know, fifties and sixties and Sean Baker and like kicking ass and thriving. That's the normal human state. And, and we've just confused it for average, which is just so sad. Yeah. Just be, I always say just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. It's so, so many people have Perfect. these conditions. It's not, that's not normal, but we have really made it into something that's normal. And I, I remember going to the doctor in my mid thirties and my hormones were totally tanked out. And she's like, well, this is just normal. This is kind of what happens as you hit perimenopause. And I'm like, but I'm 35. Am I really supposed to be in perimenopause that early? Like, shouldn't that be like, you know, five, 10 years from now? And she's like, oh, no, no. I see this all the time in my practice. It's very common. You know, it's, and I was just, it never sat right with me. I could kind of just never really accept that as like word. I'm like, that just doesn't make sense to me, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's just so sad. And that's the message. And it's not the doctor's fault. Like they're doing right. the best that they know how they're doing right. everything they can. And if they have 10 minutes to see you and they want to make you better, like they don't have time to talk about sleep or nutrition or exercise. Right. Like here's, here's the script and fill this out. And at least you'll have some temporary relief maybe. And hopefully your side effects aren't that bad, but yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you have learned that there's, you know, a different way of doing things. that's a little bit less conventional, but really, you know, fixes those chronic issues. I've seen it happen so many times over the years. It's really amazing. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know what's your favorite client transformation story that you've seen just implementing a lot of the strategies we've talked about today. Uh, great question. The first one that comes to mind, somebody that I see actually later on today, um, he was, 
when he came to see me, this was, let's see, we started working together in 2019. Um, he had been working with a trainer previously. He'd gotten up to 300 pounds. The dude is, um, kind of mid sixties. He had been diabetic, type two diabetic for, um, years, years and years. And he was on 60 units of insulin a day. His doctor wanted him to start upping that to like 75, 80 units a day. And he came in to see me because his trainer started working for our club. And so he switched over to our club and then he um, wanted to get some of that metabolic testing stuff done that I was telling you about earlier, where we would measure his metabolism, his fat burn and all that stuff. So the first day I came to see him, we couldn't even start the test for 15 minutes because he had so much anxiety about even being there. He was like locked jaw, like almost in a rage and, and just, just crazy anxiety. So I had to sit with him for a while to kind of calm him down you know, he was suffering again, type two diabetes. He had gout flares all the time. The anxiety was just crushing him. And, you know, we started to work with him and showed him like, like, look, your metabolism is leaning towards burning sugar. Let's teach you how to be a fat burner. Let's teach you how to burn fat as fuel. And he really embraced it, which is really cool. And we only work together twice a month, um, which we still do to this day as we're workshopping, you know, what, what he's doing. Um, but we started to put on low carbohydrate and eventually a really highly carnivorous diet. And he just started losing fat really quickly to the point that he had to start taking back his, his blood pressure medications. He's, he got off of insulin completely where his doctor was saying that was absolutely impossible. And he needed to take more within about a month. He was no longer taking insulin. There was no need. Um, wow. and he had a few low, low blood pressure, or I'm sorry, low blood sugar issues in the beginning, but he resolved all of that. And to this day, he's, he's lost a bunch more weight. He's really close to his target weight and, and has maintained that pretty well over time. And that's, uh, it, it's really cool to see that he can play with his grandkids. Um, you know, he can do so much of the stuff that he really enjoys that he was not able to physically do before. And that's, that's been just a really amazing journey. And to really see somebody, you know, locked in on this path of poor health and medications that you're never going to be able to get off, to be able to get off of them has just been, it's been a wonderful thing to be able to witness. So that's the first one that comes to mind. That's awesome. I love that. It's just getting to watch someone really change their life. And then, I mean, it's all about, can we enjoy being around our friends and family? Like, do we have that? And when your health is crappy, you don't really enjoy family events or hanging out with your kids or grandkids. Like it's, it's hard. So that's just a beautiful story of how you've really changed this person's life. Super. Yeah, totally agree. At the end of the day, like what, what is better than enjoying your life, enjoying activities, going on a hike or a walk and appreciating the things around you, the people around you and being grateful and, you know, being mindful, all of that stuff is, it's just, it brings the richness to life that unfortunately I just don't think a lot of people end up experiencing because, you know, of lifestyle, it really sucks. That's kind of the system we're in. So when somebody can break free of that and see the other side, it's, it's like being in Bali. It was worth the travel and to be there is amazing. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, one last question. I'd love to know what's the biggest thing that you've learned from your podcasts? What's the biggest lesson or biggest oh. takeaway from me? I know that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Um, using the mute button on your podcast and also in life, um, <laughs> learning how to listen a lot better. Um, I think I haven't been a great example of this. I'm talking a million miles an hour talking to you this morning, but um, I I just, I think in life, we're always thinking about like the next thing to say, and we're not truly like hearing and listening to people. And I think that's something that we could all do a better job of. And I think podcasting has been a really interesting opportunity to, you know, really allow people to tell their stories and to just 
shut up for a minute and like let somebody talk and share their experience and really connect and understand. And then to be able to share that with somebody, you know, now that we have so many episodes we've done, you know, if I've got a client that has questions about the structure of the foot, well, great. Like I got some episodes that you can listen to. Well, what about diet and getting started on keto carnivore? Like, great. I've got some episodes you can listen to, you know, yoga, like you and I talked about, there's so many different things that we've covered in our show. It's, it's nice to have something that, you know, was, was really nothing that got created. And now you have something tangible that exists in the, you know, Wonka vision somewhere that you can then like share with people and, and they can learn and, and grow, I think is really cool. I would say the biggest thing I've learned is how to listen better. I love that. That's, that's such a great insight and such a great lesson. Cause that's still, it can be hard because you do want to make sure you're, you know, asking the right questions and taking the conversation where it needs to go. And some of the coolest conversations I've had are the ones where I just plan nothing and just allow the conversation to flow. So I think yeah. that's, a, that's a great I love that. thing. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Awesome. Well, where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast or follow you on social media? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So the best way is just to go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. And there you can find everything that we do. So you can find the podcast there. Um, the podcast is called Boundless Body Radio. Um, so you can find that on any you know major podcasting you know directory. We're everywhere, Spotify, um, Apple, just whatever way you listen to podcasts, you can find us there. But the website is probably the best way to find us there. Um, you'll also find a link there that you can book a complimentary 30-minute session with us. And so if you just want to chat with us and just, you know, tell us, you know, what you've done in the past, what, what is your plan for this year? How can we help? Is there something we can suggest that maybe you're not seeing because you're too close to yourself to be able to make a plan? People can schedule that. And that's totally complimentary. Um, wow. we, we also offer a 30 minute, um, it's called a functional movement screen. So basically a functional movement screen, which we can do virtually, which is amazing. You can do so much stuff virtually basically is seven different movements and three different clearing tests to see how people are moving and to identify different muscle imbalances or joint stability issues. Um, and these may be things that might not be causing you pain or issues right now, but they might down the road. And if we can identify these, show you where those spots are, and then maybe give you suggestions of different exercises to do to be able to you know, correct those, just make sure that you're moving well and doing the activities you love for the rest of your life. Um, that's kind of what that does. Um, we offer that totally for free as well. So people can sign up for that on the website. Um, again, each one is about 30 minutes and they're totally complimentary. So people can you know, sign up for that and we are happy to help. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I link all that in the show notes so people can find you, but thank you so much for being here today. It's been great to chat with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Looking forward to interviewing you in a few weeks. Awesome. Me too. Okay. See ya. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. I really did enjoy talking with Casey. Please make sure you pull down those show notes, go to his website, follow him, follow his podcast his social media. I definitely want to keep spreading the word of health as much as we can. And his podcast does a really, really good job of spreading that message. And I know there's a lot of valuable resources on there. So please do follow him. If you enjoyed the episode, please head on over to Apple, leave us up to a five-star review, take a screenshot, tag me, tag Casey, share it out on Instagram, share it on social media, and text this podcast to a couple friends who you think could be helped as well. 
I want to thank quickly the sponsors of today's episode. Again, Optimal Carnivore, my code carnivore, uppercase Y. I absolutely love their grass-fed organ meat complex as well as their grass-fed beef liver. Very, very high quality supplements. I don't even like to call them supplements because they are just organ meats in a capsule. So very, very good bioavailable nutrition, very easily absorbed. And then also thanks to Upgraded Formulas. My code again is yogi12 or yogi if you've already used that code once before to save on anything over on their website. You can save on their magnesium, which I absolutely love, and their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation. So you can actually see if you need a lot of the supplements that you're taking mineral-wise, which I think is very, very important to check in on because over-supplementing with minerals can cause more issues. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I will talk with you again next week. Bye. So thank you again so very much for listening to this bonus episode of my interview on the Carnivore Yogi podcast. Like we said before, be sure to go over to Apple, subscribe to her podcast. You will not regret it. She has such amazing content. And be sure to leave her a rating and review. And if you don't mind, if you're enjoying the show, Boundless Body Radio, please do the same for us. It doesn't take very long, I promise. Drop us a rating or review so that more people can find the show and can find this information from all of our amazing guests that can really improve people's lives. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Radio.